target. Maximum firepower. This is the second episode of the Brace for Impact podcast, where we tell you how to be better at Star Wars Armada by analyzing battle reports, reviewing cards, and going over the specifics of list construction. Uh, We've got a couple of um, battle reports to cover today. Um, The first one is um, one that we played, I think it was like two weeks ago now, which is uh, my... Starhawk list, the uh, Fortress of Solitude list versus your uh, two ISDs on an Asteroid Tactics. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, this this was a pretty good game for me, at least as far as destroying the Starhawk once in my fucking life. Yeah. And uh, so I, I ran the, um, the double ISDs and the whole goal of that was to get as many um, kinds of commands as possible by stacking Thrawn with two different fleet commands to try and like make the ISDs as efficient as possible. And it, it, it's worked out pretty well. I've flown this like three or four times after this um, after this game, and it's been doing really well. Yeah. So my Starhawk list was just um, a single Starhawk with Krista agate, um, Christmas treat out with damage control officer and the super weapon to slow you down, two flotillas, one with Leia, comms net, one with Torin, and then a bunch of aces with mostly rogue, but then two A-wings as well, Shara and Tycho, just designed to smash any big ship that tries to fight it um wreck any msu list with salvo and just too much health and shields and any kind of fighter based list wouldn't be able to get the damage done because of my aces before you know the starhawk can kind of just wipe out whatever ship is left but yeah it's pretty terrifying to go against with with any kind of small ship just because of how many salvo you'll just go like double salvo yeah and and just completely smash anything that's trying to attack it that doesn't have any kind of survivability yeah and we talked about the adaptability of having krista plus unity giving you a redirect plus a token of your choice means that you can spec it out after you deploy it based on the list that you're fighting against so with this double isd list you know Obviously, I'm bringing a second brace to deal with Avenger and ha- trying to have a green brace all the time. But like um, like we'll see later, the other list that you brought, the MSU list, I went for a double salvo just to always have the threat of a shot back when you have a bunch of ships coming at the Starhawk. So that works really well. Uh, Asteroid Tactics as an objective um, I found to be not super helpful for this list design, but you were able to take advantage of it and put out two ISDs that were able to maneuver so well that they were just dealing damage and not taking it back if that makes sense well well the uh, the uh the maneuverability of the ISDs doesn't really have to do with the uh, the asteroid tactics but more of the fleet command uh evasive maneuvers that I brought 
Uh, it allows you to, to add an extra yaw at your uh, last joint at whatever speed you're at. And so that, that really helps. But I, I think Asteroid Tactics as an objective is, is pretty poor. I, I can't really think of a list that would be like, oh, yeah, bring Asteroid Tactics. That'll really make you win the game. Yeah. And remind us, how does uh, Asteroid Tactics work? So uh, whenever a uh, squadron or a ship overlaps an asteroid, if you're the second player, you can recover a discarded defense token. Uh, if you're the first player, then you can only unexhaust a defense token. And there's there's no way to gain victory points or anything. It's it's yeah. just dealing with the objective or the uh, defense tokens, which is pretty awful. I mean, uh, second player I think can ignore obstacles while while moving over them, which I guess is right. Okay, but but as we saw, you were trying to maneuver in in the middle of the small cluster of asteroids we had, and I mean you you've got like one chance to overlap the, the asteroid and if, if you just miss it at the wrong turn or if you're just not in position to, to turn into one to get a token back is it's, it's very poor it doesn't give enough advantage a second player compared to some of the other uh, yellow objectives I think yeah some of the yellow objectives give like huge advantages to the second player but a lot of them are are really disadvantageous to second player depending on what kind of list you're running right they almost seem like traps a lot of trap cards in in the yellow objectives yeah i will say like um the the isd list that you ran was able to make sure that through positioning the star destroyers I would never have the shot I wanted on the Starhawk, and you would always have the shot that you were trying to get on the ISD. Yeah, that was... It was really difficult to do, or to, to at least think up a list, because uh, normally you would want to run Jedrod on, like, double ISD, so you can always get them in position. Uh, Jedrod helps you turn really sharp, as everyone knows, um, but with uh, evasive action... Uh, you can't turn as sharply, but depending on your speed, you can you can pivot really hard. Right. So you you can still be going fast, but you won't have to turn as sharp to get your arc uh, where you want it. So it's really effective for dodging double arcs, and uh, like if if you're running up against um, like another ISD, it's really good for dodging their front arc, but also getting your front arc on target, possibly with a double arc. And so I, I really like the, the take evasive action uh, fleet command. Yeah, it worked really well to keep the ISDs from just kind of getting into too much of a slugfest. Yeah, that, that was a lot of, that was a big problem I had uh, in our last game where it was Fortress, Fortress of Solitude versus double ISD is I would get one of my ISDs would have a front arc shot the other one wouldn't, and then that was it. The, right. Every other shot was like side or rear arc.
Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good match, and it was uh, interesting to see kind of number one. There was a kind of the fact that I doubled down on recovering defense tokens between Waylix and Asteroid Tactics didn't really reap additional benefits. Um, over yeah, it seems just... like you you exhausted the kind of uh, diminishing return of recovering defense tokens. Right. Or like after after you have whale explicits, you've got six already, so you have like seven defense tokens that you can spend throughout right. the whole game. Is God, do you need more than that? Yeah, and like I was thinking in my head, like okay, I have the ability to recover multiple defense tokens because of these two interactions working together, so I can more liberally spend my defense tokens earlier on in the match. And kind of what ended up happening was when I needed them, they weren't there and I wasn't able to maneuver onto the asteroids enough to recover enough defense tokens to kind of like make up for that fact. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would be interesting to see a rematch between these two lists on a different objective, you know, where that temptation, like I kind of overcome that temptation of like, well, let me just spend all my defense tokens willy nilly because I can recover unlimited defense tokens, you know? And then you you ended up not able to get any of them back. Right. Yeah. That's. What would you replace if, uh, instead of like uh, asteroid tactics? What would you use instead of that one? Um, I mean, I know you, you have uh, planetary ion cannon for for our next match that we we're gonna go over in a second, but. Uh yeah, something something along the lines of planetary or. Um, I I mean even like fighter ambush works really well because I have a bunch of rogue fighters that wouldn't mind being placed in the middle of the map. Yeah, that's true. Something and, I think and that, that one I can gives you victory points, points as well. Of, yeah, yeah. Th- those are always the strongest objectives, the ones that give you double points for killing a ship, or uh, you can just co- consistently rack in uh, victory points. It's, those are always the ones to go for. Yep. At least, like, as bidding for second player, you want to have those as options for you. Yeah. All right, so what do we got for the next game? Game two. The next game was um, the same Starhawk list, but it was uh, a bunch of smaller Imperial lists ships so there was an architens demo raider a bunch of decimators um and a couple of imperial aces and uh yeah, this, is, this was one that i, I ran i don't uh, remember the objective it, on this though this one was um infested fields okay which i think is a pretty cool objective yeah it was uh, um a lot more engaging than asteroid tactics for one there was like the... and like after playing it one one time cuz i think this is the first time we've played infested fields yeah it it gives you a lot of like control of the asteroids um being able to position them in front of like larger ships um and i think we actually we we played it incorrectly where the exogorths like when they attack squadrons like it it taps them to have already activated right if they haven't already um i don't think we did that for that match but that that seems pretty good for like locking down a, a few squadrons and just keeping them in one location, you know. Yeah, and and this yeah the, between the exogorths coming in and attacking squadrons, 
being an additional obstacle for ships, and then also the ability of second player to move the asteroids that he places Exegorus on. Um, you were doing some interesting things where you were constantly maneuvering the rock to be underneath or in front of the path of my Starhawk, so it would just continuously land on it turn after turn. Um, yeah. Giving, like, crit, 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 you know? So, mm-hmm. And another thing is, like, you, you move the asteroids, and then at the end of the round you place... Uh, the exegorths which are also obstacles so i think there was there was one turn where i i put two asteroids in front of the starhawk and then just kind of like had the exegorths both both facing each other and kind of creating like a wall of obstacles from your front arc so that the whole the whole front arc was obstructed right yeah there's a lot of clever things you can do with and i like that i mean anything with the ability to like add that like adjustment to the obstacles in the game I think is pretty powerful I agree so this game uh, played out obviously a lot differently from the dual ISD list Uh, you know from your perspective you deployed the raider and a bunch of decimators on the right hand side of the map and the demo and argotins on the left hand side of the map kind of like a hammer and anvil pincer type attack and then I kind of deployed the Starhawk and everything else in the middle on my side. And we're kind of like, you know, I had an option here of going after the squadron ball or going after the two, you know, higher point cost ships. So I kind of just point the, I point the Starhawk off toward Demolisher and the Architons and then kind of just screen the demolishers with A-wings and my rogues. Or, I'm sorry, the decimators. Yeah. And uh, it worked out pretty good um, in terms of just, like, the decimators are really strong, and you had um, intel in there to try to get them to do the damage. But I was able to get the jump on you because I used Leia... Uh, on lays on one of my uh, flotillas, I used her to change the Starhawk command dial to squadron. It activated between the flotilla and the Starhawk. All you know, almost all of my squadrons during the ship phase, they jump on all of your decimators and were able to lock them down so that you couldn't intel all of them to get them free, and then killed your intel. Now your decimators are trapped for the rest of the game, fighting with my squadrons, while the Starhawk, you know, basically one v one's demo. Um, and the yeah, that was one of the things of like, I wasn't really expecting is like the ability to use Leia. Well, you you kind of trapped me because in like round two I moved Merrick and Dengar up, you know, to get them ready to start attacking because you want Merrick uh, Merrick Steel in there as fast as possible so we can just lay down that fire. Yeah. And then you you positioned like three of your aces, like behind your Starhawk, and then used Leia the next turn to change it to a squadron, and then you just jumped Dengar and just you you got him to like one health right off the gate, and and it was really nasty for me. Like I I should have kept them back with the rest of the decimators, but you you were clever with your rock positioning. I put mine right at distance three. And you put them way off, uh, I think, beyond distance five. Yeah. And this was something I was thinking about um, after we finished this game. Is uh, for infested fields, if you put them at distance three, 
your squadrons can be placed beyond distance three, basically a distance five right. from your from your deployment zone. So when I put my squadrons down, I had to back them up. I backed up like three decimators to get those victory points. And then Merrick Steele and Dengar were basically on their own. They just got they got jumped. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. So you can see uh, I placed the rocks that I were, was able to position essentially halfway across the board, like in the middle. Yeah. Knowing I have A-wings deployed there and I have first player, I can command them to immediately take two of the objective tokens and then you know we kind of proceed with the game from there. It's almost a free 30 points off the bat. Yeah. You... Well, once they get them, they're already in a more forward position mm -hmm. than than my squadrons because mine basically stayed in the deployment zone. Yeah. After turn one, and they just were they were too slow to get to the party. Yeah, and then also being a wings, they move a lot faster than decimators. So the fact that they they did kind of go to the side um, away from where I really wanted them, which was to engage the decimators, it didn't matter because one turn later they were still on top of what they needed to be on top of. Yeah, I probably should have put my asteroids in a more forward position so that I can... I, I didn't realize how useful it would be to move the asteroids and debris clouds like with the exogorts. So yeah. I think next time if we play asteroid tactics, I'll put I'll put them like really close together, but like more in the middle of the board and just use Merrick to pick them up. Right, because he's fast. Yeah, he's fast. But yeah, losing Dengar in round two was really... It it basically Terrible. made it so that your you know your list's alpha strike is what five decimators. It's uh four three decimators, Mornaki and Merrick Steel. Right, so which is a crazy number of dice. If to throw it was able to connect round. with the Starhawk, would have been a huge amount of damage, and if it can happen at the same time as Demolisher rolling in on the same turn can like overwhelm tokens because squadrons really want to make you spend your defense tokens and so taking a big hit from a bunch of squadrons and a big hit from a ship like demo at the same time can be really really bad because of those small squadron manu maneuvers like that alpha strike from the squadrons actually never came like a decimator never shot at the starhawk because all of my shit jumped on top of your decimators you know, Shara is doing Shara things. The Starhawk just kind of floated away at speed two. And yeah, and then the, all your squadrons, we, we the squadrons just tore into each other. and Yeah, it sh shot at the Raider one time, brought it to one health, got finished off by a squadron later. Then it turns over and smashes Demo because Demo hits above its weight, but does not solo a Starhawk with damage control officer. No, it doesn't. No, it just doesn't. And and I tried successfully, I think, with my flotillas to keep demo from approaching the way that it wanted and keep it from doing like a double tap or anything like that. So I think that demo actually didn't really ever roll black dice on the Starhawk either. Yeah, that's that was just something I kind of gave up on from the start. Is like if I can't get a good position on the starhawk if i can't get the decimators in there and start tearing away shields at like round two or three then then there's there's no even point for a demolisher to go in because it just can't do that much damage yeah 
like demo can can do a, a lot of damage. It can give you a, a crit with APT. It can roll like seven damage from from like one shot. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, brace redirect, and then you just redirect it to the front. You got six shields there. It's like, all right, uh, there you go. And I'm um, second player here, so I don't have the advantage of uh, last firsting. Yeah, there's no triple tap for demo, which, like, I'm still convinced that for demo you always want to bid for first. Um, even though, like, Asteroid Attack or um, Infested Fields did give you, like, a 15-point advantage and the ability to move the rocks, like, it ended up not impacting the result of the game enough to matter, in my opinion. Now, I agree. would demo yeah. triple tapping the Starhawk have killed it? I don't Probably know. Probably not. No, it, it would have helped. Could have helped. Yeah, it could have. Um, so the game kind of proceeded with like our squadrons trading down. I think both of us lost like three or four squadrons. I lost um, Merrick, Dengar, and Morna. I lost like. You lost Lando, Ketsu, um, Dash. Dash, and Nim. Yeah. Um, Nim was interesting. He really never got to do his thing. Um, I'm still torn on whether Nim would be better than just a blank YT2400 um, because of the rogue thing. Uh, it's something I still keeps me up at night. And then I kind of chased after Demo and the Architans killed Demo and then the Architans because, partially because I failed to remember to use the tractor beam that it, it kind of just floated away and the game ended there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good game. It was, um... I don't think that that list, if flown again, wouldn't... I mean, I, I think it would do better. I just think that there was a few things with squadron positioning that made it so that I only had to deal with one of your two threats. Yeah, like, and especially the way that I deployed, it was like, alright, I'll, I'll put half my list here and half my list there, and you really only had to fight half my list with three-fourths of your list right yep so I, it was kind of disadvantageous that way but i wonder if a deployment like just put it all together in the center and just charge at the starhawk like how that plays out and maybe i don't know how that would play out either. maybe an upgrade on one of your ships that like um that adds a die when it shoots at a named squadron i forget a callus or whatever oh callus something to like give you a little bit more like clear the way against the the aces but yeah that one's that's a difficult um thing because you you trade out like if you put callus instead of iden you're trading a lot of aggressiveness for the survivability of iden yeah and like iden using her um her two evades against squadrons can be really good yeah. But also Callus is very good against um unique squadrons. But also Raider Bad and it probably should have been a uh, Jerk Gazanti. <sighs> That's debatable. <laughs> I mean the Raider is the Raider being bad is not debatable. Whether or not it's better to have two Gazantis instead of it is I don't know cuz uh the Raider did pull its weight in, in killing squadrons and rolling and doing damage. Like, part of me wonders if this same list is, like, 
better with the Raider and the Architons being combined into a slightly bigger, more expensive ship, like a like if it's possible for that to become an interdictor instead or um, a quasar or something like that where you can either hit harder or survive longer or throw the squadrons faster and do more damage or something like that like well i've i've run a similar list to this with the um long range heavy ion emplacements interdictor yeah. and demo with um just another gazanti and this whole suite of decimators yeah. and the problem with that is damage control officer true true but not everyone that... runs damage control officer and no but i knew i was going to play against this so i was like all right let, let me put that one to the side yeah. and i'm and i'm trying to honestly figure out i'm trying to solve the whole double gazanti issue because recently with with all this salvo it's it's just not as good yeah as it could be because, I mean, you got two Gazantes, which they just roll one dice. But with Thrawn, if you get a double arc, you can roll one dice and then roll two dice. Right. Pretty good. You know, it's not nothing. You can do a couple of damage here and there, maybe once or twice a turn. But now it's, if, if you roll against like a Starhawk with fucking two Salvo, it, it's honestly better to just not attack anything. Yeah, at long range you're getting two red dice back. Um you know. And that, you got to spend a scatter. It's like, all right, good job. Then if, then if Lando comes in and he says, okay, now you're taking four damage, yep. you're going to scatter that because then it's, he's just going to chase you and then pop you and there goes one activation. So, Yeah, Lando's still nasty. One of my favorite squadrons of all time. He's, he can dish out some serious pain. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about for this or do you want to move on to some cards? Let's move on to some cards. Okay. The first one we've got up is Hondo. Uh, we're throwing Hondo in here. Is, he's like the first named officer that can work for both factions. Um, yeah. And, you know, comparing him to some other officers, like, basically Hondo will give four tokens out on the board, two that you can pick, and then your opponent gets the other two. And you can put yeah. one on one ship, one on another ship, only two points, one-time use. The question with Hondo always becomes, when do I use it to minimize the downside of the giving my opponent two command tokens? That you know, if I'm playing a list with you know squadrons and they're playing a list with squadrons, you know, me taking maybe the squadron and the nav command is really powerful because I'm denying that to them, which would be the two tokens that they also want the most, right? But if I'm playing a squadron list and they're playing a no squadron list, I'm giving them concentrate fire and engineering on a list that wants to brawl, not as helpful to me in that situation, you know? I've seen yeah. list combos where I'm like, I don't even want to flip my Hondo here. But if you don't use Hondo, it's only you know two points of your list it's we're talking like a very small percentage of your overall list build for something that can give you a nav at a critical time to change your speed uh activate an extra squadron you know help you repair an extra shield or or whatever he's, he's cheap enough to where if if the ship he's on dies without you having used him it's not that big a deal yeah 
and like you don't feel like you invested too much in Hondo for him to just get removed from the game. Right. And if an opponent has a list like my Starhawk list, I only have one ship that wants to hurt you, right? So mm-hmm. Hondo is not a sh- it's not that great for me because I'm not putting tokens on two ships that are fighters. So if you play yeah. Hondo against my Starhawk list, like yeah, I get two tokens, but only one of them can go on the Starhawk, so okay. You know, and you're probably going to leave me with like the squadron token. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah. Like, like, and it's like, there you go. You, you get it to use one squadron token, you've yeah. got all your rogues. But you can play around it. You know, sometimes you see people with lists where, you know, all they do is nav command. You know, maybe they have a demo or something, and you leave him with the nav token. Also, it's like, well, thanks. I don't really care about this. I nav every turn. Like, so. Yeah. There's a lot of mind games with with Hondo that that lets you take advantage. I, I've run Hondo on like dozens of lists, you know, forever. Uh, it's such a cool card. Gives you a lot of flexibility for very little points. Love him, love him, love him. I, th- I think Hondo is, is one of the best officers in the game, specifically for the double ISD list that I ran, because he is he's just the the carrier of the list. And he, he's just the leader of the command token conspiracy. Yeah. So the thing with the double ISD list is I've, I've got two fleet commands, like I'm saying. Um, on turn one, you can bank one of those command tokens. From your dial, you mean? Fleet commands. From, from your dial, yeah. You just set it to whatever, like concentrate fire and, and navigate. Right. You just bank those. Hondo changes uh, the way you can play the game. Uh, from, at a minimum, having two uses of your uh, fleet commands, you spend your token, and then next turn, let's say you just don't have a token, it wasn't it, it wasn't in the cards, so you discard the card. That's just two rounds of of your fleet command. Right. Hondo changes that minimum to three, yep. always. For every single game, you'll have three uses of your almost fleet no matter what. Almost no matter what. The only the only way that would change is if you spent Lost the token Hondo in like round two. You spent the token for something you shouldn't have, you know. Yeah. And like you know, the Pelta Rebel lists with like all fighters follow me. Like love getting three turns of really fast B wings, right? Like, and that's yeah. that's three turns of really fast B wings. At a minimum, speed, because speed if you play your, yeah. if you play your cards right with like a flotilla with like Comsnet, you're you're gonna be golden, you know, with getting tokens. So, Hondo and because of Hondo's timing at the start of the ship phase, which is the same timing as fleet commands, you can either spend your command token that you already have on the ship to activate the fleet command, then activate Hondo to refresh it. Or the reverse. Use the reverse. Use Hondo and then spend spend those command tokens. So even things like I, I don't know uh, things that can strip tokens, like the the MS One Ion cannons, uh, can't touch it. Yep. Yep, he's fantastic. And then compared and to think... the other card we have here, Veteran Captain. Veteran Captain is like, I think you could name the him wor- Bad Hondo. Worse Hondo. Bad Hondo. Uh, 
It's like if you already have Hondo in your list is the only reason to run another veteran captain. you want more tokens still. So veteran captain is when you reveal a command, you can discard to gain a command token of your choice. Um, Bad Hondo. But for one more point than Hondo, right? So the downside of Hondo, obviously, is you give two tokens to your enemy and you take two tokens. So it's kind of a wash in terms of like tokens. The two points of Hondo basically is like you get to pick the tokens that you get, right? Whereas your enemy does not. Veteran yeah. Captain lets you pick which token you get, but only one, and he costs one more point than Hondo. Honestly, Veteran Captain um, could benefit from, from the new kind of uh, card design. This would be a really good card to, to change to be a multi-use card. Right. Instead of just discard, because him at three points, just to discard him when there's Hondo in the game, and obviously Veteran Captain came out before way before Hondo, Hondo did, yeah. but but this could be a cool card where you know you you tap it, get a command token, and then somehow untap it, and then you could tap it again later in the game. Could be very good. Right. I mean, he he's but, he's okay, but like no one's no one's writing. I don't think I've ever seen to their mother about how Veteran Captain might change their life. Yeah, for uh, sure. Is it time to talk about Leia? It's time to talk about Leia. Oh my gosh. Leia is such Your a favorite card in the game. Card. Okay, so Leia is when you reveal a command, you may choose another friendly ship at distance one to five and change that ship's top command to your revealed command. Wow. Leia. The most annoying card in the game. Like, Leia is so fantastic. You want to put her on a ship with a low command value, right? A flotilla, CR90 something like that hammerhead hammerhead I think those are the only the only one commands that uh, right i i almost would never like i almost never have her in anything other than a flotilla you know like throw bright hope on there too or or comms net even for more you know command shenanigans or both leia honestly can change a game save a ship and the bigger the ship, the better Leia gets that she's helping, right? Like, yeah. so on my four command Starhawk, knowing what command I need on turn four is difficult, right? It's like, well, what's the state of the game gonna be? I have a plan, I think I know what I need, but like in that game against your decimators, I didn't know that the right decision on turn three was going to be the Starhawk commanding... Was going to change his command to like squadrons. The, the Starhawk changing his command to squadrons, even though all of my squadrons, except for two A-wings, have rogue. Because I wanted to get the jump on your decimators before they could get in position to deal you know, damage to my Starhawk. Leia allowed me to, at the beginning of turn three, with full knowledge of the board set a command on a flotilla, being a first player, reveal it, change the command on the Starhawk, then the Starhawk, boom, activates, smashes, game basically ended at that point. Like, there was no other way for you to win, and it was only because I spent three points, three, three points, points. on oh. Leia on a flotilla. All right, fantastic. You know, add into that, she is the anti-slicer tools. 
Someone comes in now, with a I jerk I, I can't even explain how many times I've run in with my jerk gazanti. I got the the dirty slicer tools on yeah. a big Starhawk, changed it to something useless, and then Leia comes in next turn and What's just right says, and guess what? No, this doesn't happen anymore. Yep. You keep her safe on a flotilla behind the big ship. Keep everything away from her, and she'll give you lots of happy times. Um, I really love Comsnet on Leia's ship as well, because they don't preclude each other from working. You know, I can change your command to a nav and then pass you a nav token, right? So a liberty yeah. could go from speed one to three or vice versa without even having the right command dialed in ahead of time. Um, She's just so flexible yeah. and, and her ability to change the course of the entire game. It, it can't be understated, especially for large ships. Yep. I would say if you're running a large ship and you have a flotilla in there for Rebel, Leia should be one of your officers. Staple it. Yep. Um, now, she is sometimes undone by timing. So, for example, there are some times where your large ship, you want, you need to activate it before the flotilla with Leia on it, right? You're in a position where you're first player or maybe even second player and you're like, I have to activate the big ship or it's going to get kaplunked. So mm -hmm. Leia timing can kind of screw with you because it's when you activate the small ship. So she's best on, um, you know, lists that want to go second. Um, you When you have Leia, you want to play like they're going to hit and your counter punch is going to be better, right? Don't put yourself in a situation where your big ship, you know, wants to go first, doesn't have the command, Leia can't help him because the timing is wrong. Um, yeah. You also want to make sure that Leia is always activating after slicer tools. And don't limit yourself to Leia activating the turn that you need the command. Um, mm -hmm. If your big ship activates, and let's say then slicer tools comes in, changes your ship's dial for next turn, you can still you know think about Leia now. Leia can undo slicer tools for a turn that's going to happen in the future. So sometimes saving her is a good idea as well. Honestly, one of the strongest rebel cards. Love her. Love Leia. Okay. Um, also, Leia's not good on MSU lists. Don't worry about Leia officer. No. Maybe worry about Leia commander when they buff her at some point. Uh, Leia commander is getting buffed, though. Yeah. Well, well not buffed, but, yeah, but reducing cost. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I may actually fly an MSU. I mean, like, I've always wanted, like, to feel like I had a great MSU commander. And, like, Mothma's pretty good, but um, Leia would be really Not cool. Not really. Yeah. They both could be buffed, honestly. Um, okay, so Comsnet's up next. Uh, what do you think about Comsnet? I love it. Comsnet, it just feels good to use it every single time. Anytime I use Comsnet, I'm like, this is the dream. It makes my flotillas feel like they're impacting my larger, more important ships. It's just great to, to make them stronger while having a use for these damn flotillas that can't really do anything anymore. Flotillas, for me, <laughs> like, they were activation padding. You know, before they got nerfed to just two, people would run three, four, five of them and then have 
one ISD that would come in and go last and then go first and really kill something, right? Yeah. Then they, you know, I think corrected for that error by saying, okay, only two flotillas. People still brought two to pad activations and make sure that their ships activated when they wanted them to. Um, I love running two flotillas. But adding comms net to the flotilla, you know, it... And again, this is this is something that its impact is larger on large ship lists, ISDs, Starhawks, MC80s, MC75s. Like your flotilla's bang for the buck here is increased by how big and nasty the ship it's giving comms net tokens to. Mm-hmm. Um, but super flexible, super cheap. For two points, find me a better way to pass or give six command tokens to your favorite ship on the list like it there just isn't a better way to do it and <laughs> and again it's 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 similar to leia in the fact that you can because of their their small command value you can look at the board state and then decide what this ship needs maybe it just needs a couple shields next turn maybe it needs to to go down or up one or two speeds. a lot of the time it needs that nav token at a specific timing um, but sometimes, you know, prepping turn one and turn two and just loading up your fat ship with engineering token, concentrate fire token, you know, all of that extra stuff really gives it staying power for later, makes it able to do a lot more. And it's, I mean, it's so good that like people pay basically 20 points for comms net flotillas to follow their big ship around and not they're not really paying two points they're paying 20 now yeah it comes with the added benefit of activation padding but you know it still ends up being (laughs) well worth the investment in my opinion and and again like being able to pass a command token to a ship that has a fleet command that consumes that every turn it's it's so good yep That's all I have to say about Comset, honestly. Like it's fantastic. All all, all these cards just, except for Veteran is like Veteran Captain is they're just consistently on the board on my side of the table. I'll say that. These these are all probably some of the best cards f- dealing with commands and command tokens. Yep. For now. And that kind of brings for, us to the future. Clone Wars. Yeah, Clone Wars ship review. So we're reviewing the Acclimator today, or at least what we know about it. Oh no, we're reviewing all the ships. Oh, we're doing them all? We're doing them all. We got them all here. Last episode we did the cards, now we're doing the ships. Okay, fantastic. So we're starting with the Acclimator then. Starting with the Acclimator. The Acclimator, for me, is uh, an iconic ship for the Clone Wars, and I'm, you know, it's, dare I say, a mistake for any other ship than the Acclimator to be the the main focus of the core set for the Republic. It's uh, of course, you know. I would have to say, based on this render, this is one of the best painted models that they've released so far. It's so cool looking. It the looks blood incredible. stripes. The, the logo. It looks so great. I'm it's, so excited to put it on so the table. Good. And I guess like the closest argument to the acclimator would be the victory one and victory two for the empire right yes i would say that 
based on the cost comparison of the Acclimator 1 and the Victory 1. You're getting um, a cheaper ship, but a less powerful ship. I would say that is true to an extent. However, I think the Victory is a little bit overcosted, especially the Victory 2 at 85 points. And I don't yeah, think that, that is also like, true. I think that the Acclimator is going to be <laughs> what the Victory's price should have been, about eight or so points cheaper than it actually is for a two-speed, seven or eight hull, three defense token ship with six dice out of the front. Like, you know, no one really flies a Vic, and it's because and if you do, you're investing way too many points. It's in because to make it's just a, it's just about eight points too expensive, and I'm really hoping that the Acclimator's price brings it into a sweet spot. You know, right around the cost of an Assault Frigate, but for a forward-facing, you know, ship of the line that points its guns forward, charges at you, and smash, smash, smash. And I think the the keywords bring a lot of uniqueness to the ship and you I'm know, really interested to see what they do with all these keywords I think one is going to be geared more toward like pushing squadrons with the double offensive retrofit and the other one is going to be more of a smash mash kind of boy yeah well the, the acclimator one at least the one that we see it, it loses a front die uh, um because the victory one has three red, three black, and this one has three red, two black. Right. But also interesting is uh, it gains one extra shield in the front, and then loses two on the side. It's got four in the front and two on the sides. Right. Instead of the victories three, three, and three. For me, losing a black die on a two-speed ship does not make me that sad. That's yeah. That's not really affecting it, does it at all. Not make me that sad. Because but it also has the, um, it's got the torpedo slot too. Yes, it does. Mm. But again, I don't like. Probably not going to be what it's primarily used for. Right. Like, I'm just happy that it has three red out of the front. Some. You know what would be interesting with this one? Because it's got, um,. It's got torpedo. It's got the double offensive retrofit, which we've seen a lot for carrier ships. Right. Acclimator is known to be a carrier ship. It's got double black. Yep. So I could see this um, getting right into the thick of it with a lot of squadrons around it and uh, taking fleshette torpedoes, maybe linked, uh, not linked turbo lasers. There's, there's one uh, heavy bombardment zone. Yeah. Maybe that and Flechette Torpedoes and absolutely dominating the squadron scene with just one Acclimator 1. Just let it charge like, in there and be what the Raider always wanted to be. Like come up with a list that of 134 points of squadrons that can deal with the the bulk of an Acclimator with Flechette Heavy Bombardment Zone and a complement of squadrons. Yeah, and you know with the title that we saw the other day where they're, you know healing each other and helping their squadrons out i think it's it's going to be part of a list that wants to point forward and just try and stop me yeah the the implacable for a friendly ship or squadron distance yeah. one to two suffers damage from an attack exhaust this card and spend up to two shields from your front hull zone 
reduce the total damage yep. by that amount. Incredible. Get them engaged so, yeah, with I, a bunch of, you know, re-rolling V19s with Swarm. Your squad, The squadrons can't even shoot your Acclimator, and then you're flacking out of the front, you know, just annihilating. Stunning them with the, the Flechette torpedoes. I feel like this, it's going to be an absolute smasher. Yeah. If, if anyone tries to decide to bring squadrons against this. Yep, it's going to be great. All right, so now a little more difficult to pinpoint is the um, the consular, the consular cruiser. Okay. So the consular, this... he has comparisons to the two corvettes that are in the game already. Uh, the, the CR-90 and the now, Raider. Now let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. I'm seeing something here that makes me furious. Tell me. Why the fuck? You tell me. You knew one good reason why the fuck the consular class armed cruiser, this new shit, gets a redirect when the raiders get fucking nothing. Well, the raider and fucking what? What's interesting bullshit. is the dynamic between the raider and the corvette, right? So the raider is the same point as the corvette, essentially, right? The CR ninety, I mean. CR ninety A, yeah. Less maneuverable obviously at higher speeds it loses yeah. one tick at three and four on the final gets twice as much anti-squadron die it gets one i believe one extra die on the front black yeah and has a brace instead of a redirect it's almost like the raider and the cr90 are like mirror inverse like versions of each other the problem is the raider doesn't want to get cr90 i would say that the cr90a is better in every aspect than the raider one but yes i i agree with that because i think there's fundamentally a misfire between double evade tokens and no red dice (laughs) what is there is like what is going i want my cr90 to be at medium preferably long range because i can cancel die with my evades i can roll my you know red dice i don't have to worry about blacks i don't have to really worry about blues that much and and you know i can get trc and i can do some good damage and i can get in and out and duck and dive and swoop and blah the raider wants to punch you in the mouth with its two black two blue and if you shoot back at it the only thing you can do is brace because it's a black range and if you have literally one accuracy, six damage it's deletes done. it. It's done. Whereas the CR90 being at long range, let's say you roll six damage. Oh, okay, well, one of them's canceled by an evade. If you accuracy it, the other, you know, there's still another evade. And then it redirects, so it takes one, two, three, four on the shields and only two through to the hull. So it's... Yeah, it's, so um, in, in the same shot that kills a raider no matter what, CR90 survives. Now, it's at long range versus close range, but the, the point of the Raider is to be at close range, so the double evade makes it an incoherent mess in terms of what and let's it say, wants let's to say be. Let's say, for argument's sake, the Raider 2 can be kitted out to be effective at long range, obviously with disposable capacitors and heavy ion emplacements. Sure. But, but now you're spending like 60 points on a Raider. expensive combination I've ever seen to make a bad ship 
may be okay. Right. Yeah. So that brings us to the uh, the cool new ship, the Consular, which I think in some regards is trying to split the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got double double blue anti squad. Double blue anti squad. Which we normally only see on large ships. Large ships for, with double blue. Right. I don't think there's a, like another there's, ship that um, has. A Liberty with double blue, I think, or a MC, you know, an MC80 Home 1 version. But it's uh, IC2, I think. IC2. Yeah, IC2 it's a lot of. Blue. It's like, it, it's really it's good. A, it's very long range, yeah. It's really, really good to have double blue flak for sure evade redirect contain i'm not a huge fan of contain on a four hull ship um i wish that that was a brace but i think that having yeah, a brace seems... redirect evade brings it into like medium ship category like a assault frigate or something and i understand why they the, the do contain that. almost seems worse than a second evade to be honest it is on a ship like this yes i think it has better um than the Raider, but worse than the CR90 tokens. And I don't know if... Yeah. Do we have a picture anywhere of the Consular's guns? Um, You mean the dice? Yeah. Yeah, it's on It's on the, the picture above these cards. Oh, on the, so they've got, on the cardboard. Um, they've got a black, two blue out of the front, blue, black, and then blue, blue in the rear. There. And that's just that one version, the uh, that's just armed that one cruiser. Version, so. And... I wonder if the other version has less, like, because, I don't know, the fact that it's saying it's an armed cruiser, is the other one, like, a flotilla almost, like, being, like, a transport? A... I feel like it would be a, a clone-type ship. Yeah. Like, because cause they, they stated pretty obviously in the, uh, the in-flight report that the consular-class cruiser, that was more like the Senate senatorial guard. Yeah. And so I feel like that'll have keywords to match. I hope the other and one has um, some red and blue. You know, give me like another, basically a Corvette A. Or even red black would be better. It would match up with the assault uh, ship, the the acclimator one, right? Red black. Yeah, red black. That would be good. Yeah. It uh, it's going to be a very nimble option for the Republic. Um, not as nimble as the CR90, not even as nimble as the Raider. However, I think making up for the lack of agility on an acclimator, it's going to do a lot of work to flak squadrons. It's going to do a lot of work to get in and out of trouble, shoot, shoot, have a good time. Yeah, I, I think um, having double blue is really effective for, for staying nimble. Because one of the things with the Raider is once you get in black range, if you're going speed three, uh, you you get that one shot and then you're out. There you can't turn around or anything. Yeah. So I think having double blue is good for being fast. Gosh, I love I love the idea of double blue flak on a fifty point ship. You know, like a below fifty point ship. Like you could have like four of these, and you're just like laying down like, crazy amounts. Yeah, of like these droid fighters these are, are are done for, dude. They're wrecked. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's like what you you do. Eight dice of flak. Like literally for, a victory two squadron. star destroyer for eighty five points, one blue, flak. <laughs> like this thing joke. just has like point defense out the wazoo. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. Oh, and if 
if you can if these come with like an offensive retrofit and you can re-roll the crit uh, icons that would be incredible that's what for five points i'm hoping the other consular is um two squadron value instead of one also i would trade a second uh, squadron be... value for a single flak on the other one to give us like um because like the republic starting off does not have like a flotilla you know so like i i, I just love the idea that we know of that we know of well, because uh they could they could make the the corvette uh, like they did with the hard sell they could give it um yeah. i feel like support. they would have said that if they said basically like one of them is a flotilla um yeah but like just like having a low cost ship with two squadron power pushing like to me feels really good two squadron is like it's a deployment right so people tend mm -hmm. to deploy their you know people tend to bring even numbers of squadrons because they deploy evenly having you know a, uh, a cruiser that we can put off to the side with two nasty squadrons and push them around and flak or shoot some damage you know apart from the main like Oh, I'm bringing you know two acclimators, and they can each push three squadrons. Like I want something a little bit smaller kind to push Kind of a little more a little divided. Cheaper. Yeah, yeah, long range. Yeah, you're right. It is kind of awkward to just have like one squadron. It's not really a full deployment. I mean, it, all of the corvettes in the game so far, I think, are one squadron. But maybe this will help differentiate it a little bit. Also, maybe I'm asking for too much. Who knows? Maybe that is too much. Maybe maybe that's why it's not the case. I'm just ready for the Republic Pelta. I think. Well, you, you could always put um, expanded hangar base on it, I guess, if you really want to push two squadrons. See, the problem but... with things like that is, like, the cheaper the ship, the less impact upgrades are on it because mm -hmm. it has less hull, less shields, more likely to die. You don't get to take advantage of that one extra squadron as much as you would on, like, like a true carrier ship, you know? Like, yeah. like expanded hangar is going on my acclimator one you know, to give it four squadron. Like, that's just happening. God, it's going to be incredible. And then you bank a token, and then you're pushing five squadron. Ugh. All right, so how about these? How about your suppies? How are they doing? Oh, my God. Let me tell you, they look incredible. The Munificent is one of those ships that I never really paid attention to that much, but seeing it now, it it looks amazing. Yeah, I love the scaled, like almost like plate armor layers of it. Yeah, and I, I kind of like the um, the whole design aesthetic for the Separatists. It it looks like a lot of their ships are like kind of submarine esque. I get that. I see like, that. Like you would see these breaching the water, shooting some torpedoes, and then running away. Mm -hmm. I just really like the way that all these Separatist ships look. Except the hard cells, they look they look dopey. Well, that's fifty percent of your look, ships right now, dude. I mean, I know, but like they they look like they're supposed to be like rockets and everything just blasting off, and now they're like just kind of sideways. Yeah, this was definitely a ship designed to look good taking off from the planet as they shot at them, <laughs> and not necessarily yeah. designed to look good going through space. Yeah. Yeah. But. My dreams have finally been answered. I can play with a small ship with three red dice out the front. Oh, we uh, we Nebulon B now, huh? Oh, we Nebulon B right now. Oh, uh, it looks so good. Oh my oh, god, is actually, it one, one shield this on one the gives sides? Us both of, it literally of is a Nebulon B. Yeah. Oh wow, three red dice out of the front, three shields out of the front, 
one shield out of the sides. And do we know what its defense tokens are? If it doesn't have a redirect, oh my god, that's hilarious. We have... <sighs> imagine, dude, imagine if it's literally a Nebulon B. Well, honestly, at this point, like, if it doesn't have a redirect, it doesn't really matter that much. Because the one on one on the side is... As a Rebel player, let me tell you, taking a shot on the side hurts. Although the, the arcs are not as devastating as the Nebulon B's arcs for the sides. So yeah, it's, it's got such a large front arc. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. So who are we talking about first? The Munificent? The Munificent. Okay. Holy shit. Six hull. Brace, redirect, salvo. Two speed, yeah. one click, and then one click, two click. Um, that one click, two click, all of my dreams have come true. From the victory, having to deal with it, having no click, one click. Yeah. It makes me want to vomit. It's, and it's so awful. It looks like its shields are four on the front, three on the sides, two on the back, or three on the back? Two on the back. Two on the back, yeah. Looks like with red die anti squadron. Oof. Yeah, the com this is the comms frigate, so this seems to be the less uh shoot shoot focused one more of the support support one right so even still two red two blue i don't know about that with the, the three red dice out the side that seems really good for just the lesser of the yeah the... three red out of the side two in blue at the front um but my, my thought is if this is the comms frigate right this is the one that's pushing your squadrons it's got less scary dice maybe you know maybe we're looking at the other one with like some blues in the side or something maybe even a blue black version that wants to get up and smash like i just see i see this as the support version compared to whatever the other one is like the assault frigate maybe or yeah so what are we comparing this to we're comparing this to the assault frigate i think the most right uh, the assault frigate and the interdictor. Okay, I don't, I don't see the end. Okay, like so, I see slightly where you're thinking with the interdictor, which is like only two speed, two red, two blue out of the front. You've got, you know, but, but the interdictor, like first of all, has the weird weapon. It has mm -hmm. a lot more dice, insane engineering, nine hull, double flak, like. To contain. I'm actually comparing it to the interdictor because of the insane engineering. Because as we've four. seen with the Munificent, it's got some real potential for survivability based on its upgrade cards and how high of an engineering uh, yeah. value it has. However, I would say that ba the Munificent that we're seeing, I think, is of all the ships in the game, closest to an Assault Frigate. For sure. And that's because it's got three tokens trades and evade for a salvo it's got you know four engineering three red out the side six hull three red out the side of course the assault has a blue also but it feels like that middling ship of the line um yeah it can repair but like the assault frigate you know it can repair too like I don't. I, I don't, don't think it's gonna have anything on the survivability of the Munificent. I think the Munificent is a more survivable. Like it's like if you were have had like you know a sliding scale of everything. Like you're going one notch down on DPS and you're going one notch up on survivability from the Assault Frigate. But also, Munificent has the uh, native salvo instead of the evade that the Assault Frigate has. That's true. Yeah, that makes it a little I think bit. That's more... really gonna help. Of a of a puncher for sure. 
And it looks like I see a red dice on the rear. I don't know if that's one or two, but if it has two die salvo, that's going to be incredibly good. If it has one die salvo, that's going to be kind of pissy. Yeah. I think, yeah, because I see the assault forget mark 2B. I think that's going to be uh, pretty comparable to what the Munificent is. Yeah. So I think we might get a, t- a two red die salvo. So those are those are pretty nasty to take. Yeah, two red die out of the back. Maybe not even on the comps frigate, but it's on the more expensive one. It might be some real fun shenanigans for sure. I'm going to run a lot of these. These seem so cool. So the other one is the hard sell that we were talking about earlier. And uh, what is this ship like? This ship, I, I feel, is most like the Architons, but uh, a front side uh, comparison. Mm. So the Architons is really the only kind of ship I've played with, at least, that that can shoot three reds out the front, other than like the Nebulon, but that, that really is a different role. I see what you're talking about, though. Maybe more of a Hammerhead or a Yavaris. Yeah. Because... It's, you know, Architons is a two-command ship. Architons has, you know, four defense tokens. It's got a really weird way of moving around with the nothing, nothing, nothing except for the last click. I, I, I see the hard sell as being more nebulony, more maneuverable in a classic way. Wants to shoot out of the front, doesn't want to get shot in the sides. Um... One command, yeah, now right? That, now that you bring up the Nebulon comparison, I'm really starting to see where this ship will probably fit in because um, it's got that fleet support. Yep. So it'll probably be less, uh, I don't know, classically aggressive as like the, the Architons and more more kind of weird. But it's kind of like, a is that a defensive retrofit on the hard sell? Mm, yep, that is. Hard cell battle refit? Yep, the battle That's refit has a defensive, an offensive, and a turbo laser. So Let me it, tell you, if, if there's an evade token on this hard cell, putting TRCs on on a fleet of hard cells is going to be pretty fucking awesome. I agree that the battle refit one could be some nice red guns with some dice fixing from TRC. The other one, mm-hmm. I think, is the one that's going to be your fleet support with... Um, yeah, the, the two red, one blue. Yeah, yeah, which will be... Um, I think it has the... What is that other upgrade that it has? Do you see it? It's like... Turbo laser, It's like the one right below the officer slot on the, the... That's the offensive retrofit. No, 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 on the back card. That's not the hard sell. That's the other munificent. You oh, can see the icons are different. Shoot, you're right. Okay, well I'm wrong then. But yeah, so we know yeah. the small, the smaller, cheaper one is is gonna have you know, fleet command. So. Oh, but but um, here look uh, the hard sell, the other variant in the back behind the munificent. That one's got two squadron. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. That the. That's the, the one that's like guys, a flotilla. One blue. That, that one is going to be more of a flotilla slash Yavaris, where it's going to be pushing some squadrons mm-hmm. and fleet support. I really like that. Right. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a cool ship for sure. It's expensive, like uh, Architons, though. Yeah, those red dice are expensive. 
Well, that's all the ships. Hopefully, we've the other so one far. is cheaper. Yeah. Yep, that's all of them. So, so what, do you, what are we doing next? Well, like like the next time we play, what are we running? I really kind of want to run like a rebel liberty something list. Um, maybe I'll pull like a liberty and friends maybe some mc30s i really love the mc30 and i've always struggled to make it work properly so i may do like a admonition um mon karen bid for first kind of list mm -hmm. that's probably where i'm thinking right now what about you i haven't decided yet um I keep wanting to try and run the the victory, but every time I put it together, you hate yourself. After? It has to have. I just hate it. It's so expensive. I'm really hoping that there's some points adjustments that allow multiple victories to be on the table. I want to run two or three victories again without getting absolutely wiped off the table. Yeah. It's just the individual ship chassis just isn't good enough. It's too expensive for the speed that it operates at yeah and it has like if it was just cheaper and i could run like four victories right i mean that would be so if someone's scared awesome. of your victory they just turn away and go too fast for it like you know it's uh it's one of those things that i hope um at some point soon you know maybe with the new card changes or um, you know, maybe a ship cost change at some point that it because like it is one of the coolest models. I find it way more exciting than an ISD. It's a fun ship. Love it. It needs to be cool and good again. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it today. That's it. All right. Awesome.